It's time to go behind the curtain of the director role and have honest discussions with leaders in the campus recreation industry. In this episode, host Grady Sheffield, the director of campus recreation at Towson University and the senior advisor to the campus rec mastermind groups, gives you, the listener, real and authentic conversation between himself and special guest, Rob Simmels, the associate director of student life and recreation and wellness at the College of New Jersey. Simmels dives into what inspired him to get into campus recreation and the first director role he had. Through the years, he's found himself gaining experience from smaller schools, juggling being a new parent in the opening of a facility, and starting a program at TCNJ that is his pride and joy. Finally, at the end of the conversation, Simmels shares some big news as to what lies ahead for him. As you listen, note the changes that have impacted him and how to apply the two pieces of advice he shares for aspiring directors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Director Download. I'm your host, Grady Sheffield. Happy to have you here today. Joining me on this session is Rob Simmels, the Associate Director of Student Life and Recreation and Wellness at the College of New Jersey. That was a mouthful. Welcome to the Download, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you today. Yeah, we're excited to have you as well. So let's get right into it. Um, I don't know that everybody out there listening knows who you are or what you're all about. So I want to get into your background a little. Where are you from originally? I'm from Armonk, New York originally, which is in Westchester County. All right. So New Yorker, mm-hmm. Westchester County. So I'm like, help help the listeners out. Where is that exactly? Just north of New York City. It's the county just north of New York City. Okay. So Yankees or Mets? Yankees. Okay. Except for like so a two-year then... period in the 80s when the Mets were good. Yes. <laughs> yes. 86 to be exact. Exactly. Yes. All right. So where'd you do your undergrad? Uh, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Oh, undergrad at UNC, Chapel Hill. Yeah. Wow. How did New Yorker go down to the south, the Chapel, Chapel Hill? That's a long story, but I can shorten it. So my dad went to Duke as an undergrad and my mom went to um Wait. yeah <laughs> my mom went to unc for grad school okay so you, yes. so your mom's boy no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> i'm just kidding i didn't get into duke so but i got into uh, unc so that's why i went to unc i was a duke okay. fan i was All a duke right. fan my whole life so someone going to unc but i was a duke fan growing up i was a diehard duke fan well, as an IU alum, I will not hold it against you during this session. <laughs> All right. So you went to UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you what did you go down there to study? I say I went to study biology. I wanted to be a biology teacher. My mother was an educator for 37 years, and I thought it, that was the career path I wanted to do. So I went down there to get a degree in biology and then figure out when I teach high school after that. So what happened? I, this happened. Well, basically, I kind of started working for Intramural Sports and went around that. And I was going to use, even through senior year, I was going to use recreation to get my GA, pay my way through grad school to become a teacher. Uh, Didn't quite have the grades to get into grad school right away. So I took a year off to do an internship and then decided doing that, this is what I wanted to do for a living. Hmm. So what is it that inspired you to get involved in rec? I know, I mean, everybody's story is kind of similar in that, but specifically, 
what was it for you that made you say, you know what, I, I want to pursue this? Um, I think I was able to take the side of teaching and the side of being around sports and coaching. Um, I have a minor in coaching, and that was part of my wanting to teach high schools. I wanted to be able to coach high school athletics and be around that. I kind of felt uh, soccer and then hopefully golf, just because that's what I that was my yeah, yeah. big sport in high school. Yeah, time out, everybody. For those of you that don't know, Rob is a pretty good golfer, so not surprised there. All right, keep going. So I kind of, as I was going through it and working my way up within recreation and being around it from a participant, as a sport club participant, and a mural participant, and then working, I was like, this kind of combines both the best of both worlds. The ability to be around sports and the coaching aspect is kind of as we're working with student workers and everything, along with educating as well. I think it was like, it just fit. I, I don't know what happened. It's just that year coming from looking to go to grad school to teach, not being as successful right after college, taking a year off, doing a recreation internship. It kind of just all clicked like this is what I want to do. It was like that epiphany moment. There was no thing that happened. It just kind of, I think, all started. Fell into place. And, yeah. Yeah. What time? When was this? 2000s? Early 2000s? Uh, I graduated college 2006. So 2006. Okay. Yeah. So mid 10s, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not even 10s, mid 2000. Um, yeah. All right. So you're, you're at Chapel Hill and then you didn't get in, you didn't go right away. You did an internship with Chapel Hill still, right? Right after Correct. graduation. Correct. Then what happened? Then I went up to Springfield College to do my GA in, um, in Murrells and massachusetts yep but yeah that's correct and then um i kind of got the opportunity because the, our assistant director of intramurals and sport clubs left in january of my second year so i kind of had a little bit of the opportunity to be a quasi-professional staff member for that last semester when i was supposed to be a ga yeah and then what happened then I went out to South Bend, Indiana, not Notre Dame, but one of the IU campuses, IU South Bend. And, um, so IU you know, South Bend, baby, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go Titans. Um, yeah. And worked as a coordinator for a year, and then they're under athletics, so it was a smaller program, and then took over as the assistant director of athletics, overseeing the recreation side of the house um, for two years. How in the world did you find IU South Bend? It was, posted a, <laughs> it was posted as a job, and the job offerings that year were all over the place. There was not a lot in Region 1 that, that year. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you living there? Um, it was a little bit of culture shock, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, we, you know, I, I kind of use Chicago as my ability to at least get big city kind of out of the Midwest mm -hmm. experience. Um, it, it, it was different, but... I think it's so close to Notre Dame, you kind of were able to find what you needed by being around that part of the city and find my way through there. And I had some other opportunities. I coached fifth grade soccer or something like that. I went to local schools. So I, I it was, it, it's big of a city as South Bend is and to people in the Northeast, it's not a city, but it's a city up there. Um, as it, it it was small town feeling, so I felt at least it was mm -hmm. it was kind of it just with a very different mentality than growing up in New York. But 
I liked it. I, I think I learned a lot about myself and just a lot about what really made me tick. Well, which is elaborate. Tell us more. I, what did you I, learn? I think <laughs> I think I learned one being nine hour, not more than that, like a day and a half car trip away from home is a little too far. Like, you know, yes, I can hop on a plane and you know, if I really can't get home as quickly as I wanted to, I, I wanted to be closer to my whole family and my my support base, I think that right. showed a little bit more. Like being in North Carolina for school didn't show that to me, but I think being out in South Bend did. Um, I also think you really see the difference in the parts of the country, you know, where the Northeast, the Southeast, and now I've lived in the Midwest, it's very different. And you learn things. I think I learned more about, I'm very, I do things very quickly. I do things very abruptly, if you want to call it that way. I think You're a New Yorker. I, yeah, but being in <laughs> South Bend, Indiana, that's not necessarily, that doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't play well, but it's not necessarily what they're used to. And I think the pace was a little different and just finding your way, you had to, you had to be a little nicer sometimes. Look, I'll tell you, as a Hoosier, it doesn't play well. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, so how long were you there? I was there three years. And then I three ended years. up coming coming to uh, Dickinson College in Central Pennsylvania for a couple of years. So that's why you left because of the opportunity at Dickinson? Yep. Yep. Yeah. What did you, what'd you do at Dickinson? I was the director of recreation there. Um, so hey, um, how old were you? Uh, what year did I go there? 2000. I have to do math. It's been, so that was, I've been here nine years. 12. Yeah, it's about 12. Uh, it, I've been here nine years. What years? It's at 2014. There to 2012. I was 29. 29. Yeah, that's young, man. That's young yes. director. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. What was that like for you? That was. Wait, wait. Let me ask you. Were you ready? Were you ready for that? I think for that role, yes. Because it was a one-person shop, kind of more building from. Recreation went from under athletics to under student affairs at that time. They kind of were separating it. That's why they created the role. They were trying to expand recreation from just kind of this side thing to try to make it more part of the campus by enhancing their mural program. They really had risk management issues for sport clubs. They wanted to bring someone in to start really developing the sport club program and make it functional, safe give the students the opportunity to really thrive within that program. And then, which was funny because I really had no background in it and then kind of build the outdoor recreation side because that where they are, where Dickinson College is, it's right off the Appalachian Trail and really is part of the culture of the campus. So I think because of that being the role I was, I think if it was a bigger role, I would not have been ready at that, at that time hmm. because you, there's, differences in how you have to deal with administration and things as being the person than having someone to do that for you. How long were you there? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Quick. Two yes, years. quick. Quick. Then two years to... and two years, two presidents, three AVPs. So okay. <laughs> you don't need to say any more. So then you went to uh call College of New Jersey. And yep, where I've you been are now. Been here over nine years now. Over nine years.
So how are you prepared for this role compared to the role at Dickinson? I think I was more prepared at that point. I think I I had very similar charges when I came in here than when I was at Dickinson. Um, it was there was a little more established for program here. There was someone in place for sport clubs and murals for 30-ish years who had a foundation. And when you came in, you came in as the director of recreation. As the director correct. of recreation under working within athletics. So I was within athletics. I was reporting to athletic director. And then within a semester of working here, um, we brought in a coordinator of fitness as well. And so, and then two years later, brought it. So basically, it went from one person shop to a four person shop within like two and a half years of being there. Um, so, but with that, I think I was more prepared. I dealt more with budget planning. I dealt more with advocating for what I needed. I, I dealt more with program building at Dickinson so I could take that experience and then bring it to a larger scale, different environment. Um, so I, I did feel much more prepared at that point. But I think going from private to state, though, then brought in many different challenges and things you have to be aware of at that moment. Too. So when did your what what change what caused the change for you to get a different title that you have now as associate director of student life recreation and wellness um so i guess january of this year officially our avp of health and wellness retired um, okay and when leading up to his retirement he announced it at the beginning of the fall semester of 2022 there was already a quasi um, reorganization that was happening within the division. And then when he left, I think it just gave the VP the opportunity to say, oh, we're going to completely look at reorganizing the entire uh, division, or not the entire division, but parts of the division based on some outside consultant work and different things going on in campus at the time. And what ended up happening is other areas of health and wellness of so the student center, the not the student center, the health, student health services, um, CAPS, which is our um, mental health services, alcohol and other drug education, our ABI antibiotic initiative office, and religious spiritual life went to the dean of student side of the house, and they pulled us into the student development, which at that point was housing our student center. Um, student orgs, fraternity sorority life, and they created a new office there, which is now the Office of Student Life. It's eight months, nine months, ten months old, whatever month we're in now, um, which is us, our um, student involvement, which is clubs and organizations, um, fraternity sorority life, and our student center. So we're under one umbrella within our student development um, area. Within student so you're still doing everything recreationalized, just a different yeah so so i want to go back to um and talk about your small school experience you kind of touched on this but how how did that experience at some of the smaller schools when you were coming up how has that impacted you as a director beyond what you kind of mentioned before from the budget aspect i think coming up as a smaller school you have to do a lot more a lot quicker what i mean by that is a lot a lot of people I know in the field, and I'm sure you come up either as an intramural sport club person, you come up as a fitness person, a facilities person, whatever area that got you in the wreck, kind of 
you build through that to higher level positions. So assistant director, associate director, whatever it is within the organization. From pretty much after one year of being a coordinator, when I had that next level, I was dealing with running the facility staff, running group fitness, which I couldn't tell you what group fitness was at that moment before I started doing it. Um, still doing intramurals and sport clubs. So the amount of hats you wear, the amount of knowledge base you have to retain becomes much bigger, much quicker. So you, you become more of a generalist, I think, than what my initial start of the career with the intramural and sport clubs. So I think it changes your mindset. Like I still have my, my heart still goes to intramural sport club because that's how I got into the field. But I think my mindset quickly went more to what am I doing for that general student and how am I providing that recreational opportunity and the ability to expand my program with minimal resources to meet the needs of other students that isn't, that aren't just trying to play some sort of competitive sport. And I need to grow knowledge of it and be able to implement that without someone who might be an expert in it in my staff. Yeah, so taking a chance on IU South Bend turned out to be probably one of the best decisions that you've made professionally, right? Because it's helped set you up to get to where you are now. A hundred percent. I hundred percent, you know, I think at the time I was jumping in two feet to the deep end, barely being able to swim, but I came out, you know, re being able to tread water for as long as I wanted to. And, you know, I had another opportunity doing, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> doing the backstroke. That's what doing you're the doing. Backstroke. There we go. You know, or, you know, yeah. I had another opportunity at the time that, you know, and if you look at it, one that would have offered me more money, maybe, but I don't think I would have had the opportunity as quickly to expand and be where I am now if I took that position at that time. Yeah. So when you went to the College of New Jersey, shortly after you got there, um, some big things started to happen. Tell us about that. Um. Well, when I came in, we already knew that we were going to be opening a new fitness center within after the first year. So I, we knew that after the first year, we're opening a fitness center. And part of that was also being able to um, bring in a full-time person to run that facility. So kind of that was part of the draw to come here was I'm now going to get that next step in my career, being able to open a facility plus have a full-time staff member. At 29 years old? Yes. I just, I want to let that sink in, all right, for our listeners. Like, it is, not everybody gets the opportunity to open a facility. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, both you and I have had that experience. But at 29 years old, Rob, that's mm -hmm. that's pretty unheard of. So tell me more about that. What, what was that like for you? In some ways, it was overwhelming because I was yeah, looking at blueprints going, what am I looking at? And... It made me feel good to be able to do it, but it was it was very much like being it, it kind of like being thrown into like into a ring with lions and tigers and going, how am I gonna what am I doing to quiet this all down or make it all work with the limited experience that I had? I mean, I was only a professional six five years, six years at that time. You know, and yeah, just trying, safe to say you yeah. were inexperienced. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I think it was a learning experience, but it it was it was fun though at the same time because I think you got to do things I've never thought of. I mean, and basically I got to go out and go, what fitness equipment do I want? How do I want to fill this space? And I got to really do some things like that 
I mean, I think there's mistakes. I don't want to say that. I think mistakes I made, but I think there was mistakes, sure. a lot of me not opening my mouth early enough going, I don't think this layout is going to be as effective mm. as it could be because there's blueprints, there's this. I'm like, well, that must be what they want to do. When I'm sitting there going, that's not going to work. And yeah. nine years later, or eight years later, you're seeing something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's, but it's an experience that now I sit there going, if I have a, I know where, if I have that experience again, I can be like, okay, these are things you have to think about from day one. So you opened in 2015, right? Yeah. And then two weeks later, you had your first child. Exactly. So I remember, I remember the pressure that I felt of going through the process of building our facility and opening it. And once we got to opening, it was like this weight had been lifted off. Little did I know that it would be put right back on for other reasons, but <laughs> the weight had been lifted off. So I can't imagine having children myself, like the idea of, of what you just went through in a short period of time in that year and then opening the facility and then the excitement and the joy and everything that comes along with your first child being born. How did you manage the competing priorities of being a what were you still two people three people staff of opening a facility and then we, we having three, a kid I, I think we we're a three-person staff because we recreate your night i think we had that position higher at that point but they weren't really doing the facility they were doing their programming um it was it was it, actually my daughter was born two weeks before we opened so oh before was, was, yeah okay. she was born kind of legitimately i'm sitting like i come home from a hospital because luckily we lived like a mile from the hospital at that point so i would be able like when my wife in the morning was still asleep i'd be able to sneak home and do some things but i'm sitting there at home going okay the equipment's supposed to be delivered where are you know it's it's trying to balance all of that and enjoying being a new father and trying to do with that well it, it was it was it was a hard balance and i think it's interesting because even our um, AVP at the time, and this must have been maybe a couple months after this all happened, kind of said to me, your affect has changed a little bit. Like she actually, I think I didn't realize, but I was probably just all this weight, as much came off my shoulders, there was so much on my shoulders I was right, trying I to deal with as well. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. realize it. And yeah, I've learned from sure. that though, because I think, I, I don't know how to describe when I can feel my affect changing, but I can feel it in times now and know that I have to take a day or take some time. Reset. Rest, reset, yes. Yeah. So how has that experience, what you went through, impacted the way you manage your team today? Um, I'm or does very, it? it does, because I really feel that I want to give my team the ability to be, I, I think they need to be healthy and they need to be well, and they need to be able to be themselves first in order to do their job best. And I think if, if, if we can't, if I can't allow them to have that basic aspect of their lives, they're not going to be happy. I don't think they're going to be doing their job as well. And either it's going to be put more back on me or they're going to resent me or the school or whatever's going on and our programs aren't going to grow our programs aren't going to do what they need to do so that's how i kind of managed from the fact that i know what happened to me when i put so much pressure and so much challenge on myself 
and I don't want them to feel that, at least coming from me. If they internally feel that way, then we I want them to be able to at least work through that with me. But I don't want that pressure to be like, I'm putting my fist down going, you need to do ball, be that type of supervisor. Because I, I, I just don't see it being beneficial to the whole team. How are you thriving as a director? Um, I'm thriving because I, I get to come here and unfortunately I don't have as much communication with the students as I used to. Like that was always my favorite part of every day is being able to talk with students, just the way my schedule works and how things are. But I'm thriving because I have a staff that in this day and age has been consistent. We've been together for, well, some of us have been together for over seven years three quarters of our staff been together and then we're three years in. So we've been together since pretty much the start of COVID. I've had the same staff. And I think you better knock on some wood. Yes, knock on some wood. But um but I think with that all being there, I'm thriving because now I have a staff I trust. I know what they do well. I know how to motivate them. And we're moving forward and we're able to not just think about how do we set a foundation. That foundation is there. So now what's that next step? How are we able to do fun things, different things? things that enhance the student experience that I'm not pushing in a sense that's like I'm pushing so hard that they feel like they're not being able to do their jobs where it's more they know how to do their jobs. So now how do we go to that next level and really create a program that's meeting not just the 65 to 70% of the students that are here, but how do we get that next 10% to be part of the program? Yeah, um, you touched on this earlier. Um, but you had mentioned to me that you've had six supervisors, you had six supervisors in a six year period and four vice presidents and three presidential changes over the course of your transition into to your position here. Um, and, and I would, I would say that it sounds like you, you're, you manage the ability to, to adapt to change pretty well. Um, what do you say to those that are resistant to change? I think you have to, one, you have to know your worth and you have to know your stuff. So if you know what you're doing is good and you know that you're found things, but change, there's going to be negative sides of change and there's going to be positive sides of change. And I think what you have to do is get rid of the noise of things some of that negative isn't necessarily it's a perceived negative it's it's the unknown or it's a reorganization that you don't know what's going to happen but looking at going what's positive what can i gain from it that i wasn't able to have before or what are some of my, my values or the values of the of my area or what i'm trying to do some of my goals and how does this change work with it i'll give an example when we this current reorg I am now much closer to colleagues that I had to rely on a little bit, but now I have bi-weekly meetings with our leadership team, but now we're talking through things that in the past, there was no avenue to have true conversations and come up with ways to support, say, our RSOs that are trying to use recreation athletic facilities, but keep them safe and do it in a way that always, I was like, how are we not how are we keeping these students safe and making sure that they're getting the support they need when that's not part of what I do as my role? That's not. And now I can have those conversations and be open about it and not feel like I'm trying to 
kick them out of the spaces, but more trying to support them to do better with the use of the spaces. And I think that opening look at this is going to be a benefit to me. This is going to be something that, yes, there's going to be some things that change, different management styles, different, you know, three different, two different presidents, three different presidents that have been here. They all have different philosophies. They all have different things that they find important compared to someone else. But there's also things that they might bring from their experience or what they're where they're trying to move forward that you go, wow, that really aligns with what I want to do. How do I take go that path and show the worth of what recreation is on campus? So how do you stay motivated and engaged? Um, I think some of it is looking at what other schools do and go, hey, that'd be really we can't do that, but we could do something similar to that. Or just it's finding new ways to engage students. My view on it is, is every new student that I see keeps me happy, keeps me going, hey, we have we had 30 students that came to an event this year in the second semester that never came to an event before. Well, to me, that's saying we are, we're keep going. And that keeps me motivated. It's just getting students because truthfully, I'm here because I started off playing quarterback on a flag football team my first year of college. And, you know, to me, that started a connection to school that, you know, yes, UNC, athletics and all that, but it really created a different connection to my experience at school that made me love it to be there even more. And I think, how can I help a student find that? And not through joining a club or not through, you know, maybe it is a sport club, but or not through um, being part of some leadership group, but just being able to say, my connection to be able to go to the fitness center every day at 7 a.m. Keeps me happy on this campus and keeps me thriving, and that's what keeps me motivated from day to day. And then finding ways to continue. Yeah. So let's talk about your department and uh, some of the things that you guys are doing. Um, so first, your your department at the College of New Jersey, it's two facilities, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me about that. What's the what's that look like? What's the difference between them? So. Our main rec center, if you want to call it, doesn't have a fitness center in it. It's four multi-purpose courts, basketball, tennis, whatever you can imagine do on it. Our fitness studio, our office suite, um, and we share that with athletics. So it's a it's a joint facility shared with athletics. And then our fitness facility is on the other side of campus and it's a standalone fitness center. So all it is is your standard, what you have in rec center in your fitness areas. So they're very different philosophies, very different things going on in them. Um, so that's that's a major thing. So it makes it, I feel, you can have two different philosophies. You can say this one's for this, but it also makes it disjointed where we feel like it, it's a lot of marketing and talking to students, even staff going, we're one area we just happen to be separated, but we're we're all one mission. We all are trying to benefit the well-being and physical activity of our students. And I think it it challenges, but also means that we can run the facility slightly differently to meet the need of what's going on in each one. Okay. Um, tell me about recreate your night. That is my pride and joy. <laughs> um, I was lucky enough. Only, shouldn't laugh at that. I'm not, right? I'm not proud yes, of I'm that. Not, I'm yeah. proud of that. It's not laughing. It, it's more of that happy laugh. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough, my pretty much like two weeks into starting working here, I was thrown into a meeting. Oh, you got to sit in this meeting because it involves you. I had no idea what it was. It happened to be that we were applying for a $250,000 grant from the state of New Jersey to support um, 
students who are in recovery from alcohol and other drug abuse or addiction, and also to change environmental strategies around the use of alcohol and drugs on campus. And part of that, as I was seeing through writing this grant, was creating a position and a program that was meant to alleviate students wanting to go out and party during four nights a week. On this campus, through research, mostly through our conduct department on areas, Tuesdays, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights were these nights that students were participating in these behaviors. So once we got approved for the grant and we were able to start the program in the fall of 2015, we wanted to make it not just about physical activity. We wanted to make it about ways to benefit different areas of well-being, specifically social, you know, mental health, and different things by different activities. So we started a lot of our, we started with some different things. Like I think our first event was life-size candy. I think that was the first event we ever did as part of the program. And wait, life-size candy land. Yes. Okay. And we built, right. they little Jimmy built the board. We had like these huge um, candy canes and other things. Like it was lollipops. Played, yeah. And they played on it and that kind of set how it went. So it just kind of started developing there, like crafts. So yeah. Time out. Time out. There may be some listeners on here. I have no idea what Candyland is. So it's a board game. It's a children's board game, yes. right? So you have to Google it to be able to get the visual in your head of what this may look like. Mm -hmm. All right. So go ahead. So that kind of was the kickoff. and kind of just delved into how we went because we decided that's fun. We, we started to do crafts. So two out of every four things we do is some sort of craft that ha that just allows the students to do something to decorate their residence hall room. And that has happened to be our most, normally our most attended uh, events. Um, we've done terrarium building, but it's not for animals, it's for other things or um, they do. And it just seems that the more we do things like that, we're getting people into our rec center that never have been here before. And they come back week to week for the programs, but they're also then maybe getting involved with fitness or yeah. intramural or something else just because they're coming in. And we still run it for four nights or four nights a week. And it, it's it's just great. And we've seen results. So it's just that, part of your regular programming. Yes, it's just part of our regular programming now. So I was gonna ask you how so before I ask this question though, what you just described for me is that you're creating a sense of belonging in ways that is not traditionally campus rec, but like you said, getting them into the facility with the hope, right? Maybe, maybe not, but for them to develop, whether it's their physical fitness and well, well-being, but at least exposing them to it. A hundred percent. So how are you assessing it? Um, we, every night, they have, uh, every time we do an event, we have a, um, I think it's like six question, just how is the event? But we also say, how do you feel this benefits your well-being? I think we ask about mental well-being, social well-being, not physical, there's a lot of them are physical. I think we just ask that and get those scores. And then they have, it's somehow, because I think we have a more controlled audience, also at our end of your survey, tend to be the people who respond to your survey more. Mm -hmm. And then we use those. and. We always see that they look at the their wellness scores higher, their sense of belonging. And we also just look at it going, how many people are coming back? And our return rate, I mean, is really high. The retention rate of students that come, maybe not to every event, but every specific type of event that we run seems to be very high. How many students college New Jersey? 
seven thousand. Seven thousand. Yeah. And what are your what are your numbers look like for these events? Um, we run. I think our most successful events we've had over a hundred students a night coming through. Um, I think on average we're somewhere between thirty to forty. Um, I think every year changes. I think we're finally back up. We're back actually above where we were pre-COVID now. I think we were the first two years back, we were like probably every other program out there a little lower, but now we're we're getting really good numbers. And I think we've also narrowed into what the students are looking for now as well. And your student staff are running these events, right? Yep. What's the impact been on them in um, terms of the engagement with others? They Dave's well, that team is probably one of my closest teams themselves as a group. They they yeah. that that group tends to really become close knit and uh, I don't want to say best friends, but a social group within itself. But I think they also create like a modified social interaction with the the return people that keep coming. And I think it it's just created people go, oh, I come because so and so is this is their program because our managers are the ones that design the event go from step zero to assessment of every event. So I think when they know it's certain people, they get a certain crowd that comes through. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, so what advice do you have for other directors that may be at small um, programs or schools or aspiring directors who might be in a similar path, on a similar path as you? Um, I would say I have two pieces of advice that I think I haven't always followed, <laughs> but I think I need to follow. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things, especially from the smaller school setting, I think people who are directors that might be their first director role is don't compare yourself to the larger institutions or the institutions that have more people. And I think early on, I think I did that a lot. And I think it, it made it that I wasn't thinking about how can, instead of comparing, going, what can I learn from what they do well and adapt it to what I do? Because I think sometimes you go, oh, well, you know, oh, Towson's doing this great thing. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do that. There's no way. There's, I don't have the funding. I don't have the staffing. I don't have the expertise, say, in my fitness area to do it. But I can take aspects of what that is and go, how can I adapt it, either in a small setting or what works for TCHA? And I think that is, don't compare, use it as a way to get ideas. And mm -hmm. use the other, use the directors and use the colleagues at other institutions. Use what they can help you because the, their resources can actually help you in terms of their knowledge base and what they're able to do. Um, I think the, the second thing is keep an open mind. And I think that for me has been very good. My, what it's done is it's not this closed mind of what recreation should look like. By keeping an open mind, it's, hey, recreation is whatever we need to make it for our campus. So when I think of an idea that goes, yeah, I don't know if it necessarily fits that traditional mold of campus recreation, but our students want it. It fits into our mission. It fits into what we're trying to do. So let's run with it and see how it goes. I mean, I think talking about Recreate Your Night is 100% that. I never would have thought that this is a program that a recreation department would be run. To me, that's something you do in your, but it's, it's a major part of what you do. Yeah, and it works. So don't close it out just because, oh, I don't think that's going to work. And, you know, when I sit there now going, we made a right choice, but I see how many schools are bringing aspects of that concept of social wellness into 
maybe it's one night a week or maybe it's one night a month. But I'm like, we're on the right track. We just need to do it more. One, because we're grant funded and we need to do it. But it's what our students want. It's keeping them out of the residence hall and watching Netflix or whatever they stream now by themselves. Or maybe it's keeping them from going to the party or going to the party later. But at least it's doing something to benefit what they need on campus. I got to say, I mean, if you started that back in 2015, the whole wellness and well-being push, it's been around forever. But it didn't start gaining momentum until a few years after that for, for the industry, especially, you know, when NERSA and NASPA and everybody did the unified definition. So, I mean, you were pioneering that. You started that in 2015 and it's 2015, 2015, and it's still going, right? You're coming up on us 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's next for you? Um, I guess I'll let the cat out of the bag. I'll be leaving TCNJ come December. I'll be going up to uh, SUNY New Falls to be their director of Wellington State Recreation. Woo, that's awesome. Yes. yes. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Good for you, man. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the College of New Jersey is going to be losing really an icon for them. I mean, with the program that you built and the things that you just described, um, and you're leaving quite the legacy. And I learned some stuff about you today that I didn't, I didn't know. And we've known each other for, for a few years, just, you know, here and there in the field and um, doing some good stuff, man. And I'm excited for you and can't wait to see um, what's going to come in your next role. So thank you for being with us today on the director download, Rob. Enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I did. Thank you for having <laughs> me. It's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a blast. I really had a good one.